Hello and welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Captain Seth Johnson graduated from Cedarville in 1996 with a pre-seminary degree. When he switched from pulpit ministry to chaplaincy in the Air National Guard, it would have been easy to see that shift as a significant change for someone serving 20 years in the pastorate. But for Seth, it was still the same call, just a change of uniform. Enjoy this conversation about being a good listener and sharing the hope of Christ. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, and I want to remind you to to subscribe or follow this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's program is the 99th podcast since we launched this program nearly two years ago. Thank you for being a faithful listener. It's my pleasure to share compelling stories with you each week. And I trust you've been enjoying our recent podcast and looking forward to another inspiring program today. Today's program is with Captain Seth Johnson of the Connecticut Air National Guard. He has a unique story with a twist that I look forward to to sharing uh, about Captain Johnson. Uh, Seth is a 1996 graduate of Cedarville University, and since earning a degree in Bible pre-seminary, he's been ministering to people ever since. I won't divulge any more information about his story, and instead, let me welcome Captain Seth Johnson to the Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to have you. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much. This is a pleasure to be here. It's great to see you. Uh, This is our first time of of talking uh, officially, and uh, so I've I've read a lot about you in recent days, uh, getting ready for the podcast, and I know, uh, even though Jeff Besty told me a few minutes ago that... um, it won't be a problem because you like to talk. Uh, I, I know it's going to be a great conversation. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, this is great. So uh, before we get to the heart of the conversation um, of your story of ministry, uh, I'm interested in learning more about you, your family, and, and how you met your wife, Judy. Uh, well, my wife, Judy, and I, we've been married for 25 years, which is just tremendous. I love her to death. Um, we met sort of knowing each other already when we came to Cedarville. She also attended Cedarville Okay. Same time, her father was a pastor in Massachusetts, and our churches used to have some youth events together. So I knew her name, I knew a little bit about her, but it was really when we first came to Cedarville in the first couple of weeks. There's a there was a press when you first come on the first week. You need to find a ride home for Thanksgiving. You need to find a ride home for for Christmas. And so we were just looking around for anybody from New England. Where are you? Who's in your car? And how are you getting home? And so by that, we, we just started to realize we had some common friends. And, and from there, trips back and forth to New England, home for holidays uh, with all of our friends from, from New England, uh, made, some, made some relationships just blossom. And, and for my wife, Judy, and I, uh, it just became a, a tremendous blessing to get to know each other through our Cedarville years. When I was doing some research on you, it looked like uh, you have a pretty big tribe in your household. How many, how many children do you have? I've got seven kids, six boys, one girl, 20, 22 chickens, three ducks, and two dogs. And we used to have some turtles, but they're, they haven't made it. But yeah, we've got a big and busy house. Boy, it has to be pretty uh, fun and uh, lively and never a dull moment. No, certainly not. Not a dull moment. Something's always going on and happening here. Do you, do you care for the chickens and all this stuff, or do you have your, your children doing that? I think it's kind of like a lot of uh, pets when you when your kids say, "Hey, I want the pet," and uh, I promise I'll take care of it. Um, I do, I do, I do a lot of. Although God bless the kids, they they genuinely do go out and do a lot of help. Um, they built a duck coop. They did a lot of uh, fixing to make sure things are safe and secure. 
keeping predators away in our tiny little backyard farm. So yeah. the kids are involved in a lot of stuff and enjoying the fruits of their labor with good eggs every morning. That's great. That's a great yeah. benefit. Uh, I'm sure they'll enjoy that even more as they understand as they grow Hope and so. get older. So um, as I mentioned, Seth, in the in the introduction, you earned your, uh, your degree in Bible or pre-seminary from Cedarville. But that's not the degree program that you first declared. Uh, yep. You actually pursued initially a degree in nursing. Uh, uh, what prompted you to study nursing? I think the heart for seeing how to help people uh, on the most hands-on level. And there were several of my youth leaders in our church back home. There were, there were innumerable uh, physicians and doctors and surgeons. Went on a medical missions trip down to Jamaica uh, working in an operating room, just being hands-on with some CRNAs. There's actually only one CRNA there. And so a couple of us were tasked with just helping her out um, back in 95. And that just flooded my heart with a, a desire to help people and seeing how you could you could genuinely make a difference in people's lives at the most hands-on level uh, with healthcare, so to speak, nursing. Uh, that was just a tremendous op opportunity. And, and I saw it being lived out uh, from the doctors and nurses that, that were around me in my life. Okay, so eventually you shifted to Bible, uh, which uh, in, in many accounts really is really doing the same thing um, that you were going to do with nursing. It's all about the heart, whether it's a spiritual perspective or a medical uh, perspective. Um, why did you make that change? I think one of the greatest changes in my life came from uh, the first months at Cedarville, uh, translating into that, that whole first year seeing people live out their faith and, and long for a relationship with, with God and with a Savior who is personal and intimate in their lives and with the Word. So the, the genuine movement of life uh, growing up, I was a little kid. I had been in my church forever, heard uh, thousands of sermons um, and enjoyed them and learned a lot. But then it's suitable. Now there's this intense time, and I'm with a couple of thousand students for the most part, longing to see Christ flourish in their lives. And I'm meeting with professors every day who are strengthening me in my walk with Christ. So, so my, my level of love for, for the word and for the ministry just continued to bubble up. And I was exposed to things I was not prepared for, the depth of, of who God is and what he has done. Uh, even remembering to a couple of uh, classes with Dr. David Drollinger, being pressed with things that, even though I grew up in a church, I had never heard before, and yet he he taught with such grace and such love to to expose expose our hearts to to the things of God that it just it, the nursing program was a degree that uh, that got me into Cedarville, but slowly the the ministry hands on of what's the word doing in my life and in somebody else's life that just started floating floating up uh, as a more pressing need. Well, you, you kind of led me to my next question about uh, professors who have who mentored you or who built into your life. But before I get there, okay. um, I, I'm interested. So was it really at Cedarville where your spiritual development and commitment to Jesus really took root? I think it was where it's Cedarville where the the branches just started uh, sprouting up left and right. Um, I, I came to know Christ when I was a, a smaller child. I truly understood what it meant to be a sinner, and I pleaded with God to save me. Yeah. And I made that uh, through baptism. I made that known in, in my middle teen years. Um, but I didn't fully understand what it meant to live for Christ on my own. Mom and yeah. dad said, hey, you're in our house. You have to go to church. So I still had some chaperoning of my faith, right? But now all of a sudden at Cedarville, my faith was, it was being 
uh, challenged without the, without the oversight of mom and dad taking me to church each week. Uh, yes, there's the oversight of uh, the dean and the other uh, people who are pressing. You have to go to chapel uh, right. after attend classes. But uh, that was not something that was odd or strange. It was now just normal for people to, to grow in the Lord and to love what his word does. So you had, uh, you had some people pressing in on you, but from a faculty perspective, who are the faculty members who really invested their lives into you to really help you grow personally, professionally, and spiritually? Um, Dr. Blumenstock was my, was my advisor when I transferred over, over to the Bible department. Um, he was a wonderful guy over in Founders Hall, top floor, no air conditioning, hot uh-huh. TV, um, musty old offices smelling of old books, which was, uh, it was, it was so exciting to learn. And he, when you think of Christians or professors, they're in the ivory tower. They, they really were up in the tower. And yet, as ground level as you can get, walked with me through the change in life from nursing to Bible, walked with me through what, what does it mean to, to pursue a ministry degree. Uh, he's the one who took the, the illustration of a carpenter. He said, well, your dad's a carpenter. It's kind of like this. You're going to get an empty toolbox. So start filling it up. Every class you take is a little tool. Every class you take sharp, sharpens a tool. And, and when there's a job ready and the Lord has need of you, then, then he'll call you. But he's not going to call you with an empty toolbox. Right. So you sit in class, you get mentored, you, you practice here and there, um, you serve in the local church, and, and then you, you let the, the Lord uh, nurture you and develop you. So Dr. Blumenstock had a tremendous impact on just the day-to-day practical practical stuff of what it meant to, uh, to love the Lord. There's, there's a host of others. Who? I could, Go ahead. Tell me a few others. Sure. Uh, Dr. Um, Blumenstock was my advisor. Dr. Drollinger uh, was yep. one of the most gracious, gracious guys. Um, uh, Dr. Warren did Judy and my uh, pre-engagement counseling. A little bit weird. We didn't get premarital. So we're not even engaged yet. But would you talk to us about that process? It's wow. Four or five sessions with him. Um, and then in the middle of it, we, we, I came back and said, I, I couldn't wait anymore. I popped the question. I, really? I asked her to marry me. So we transitioned a little bit, but he was, um, again, so practical with what the, what the Bible has to say about marriage and commitment and love and fidelity and those things. Um, uh, Dr. Estes, Dr. Miller were there as well. I didn't have as many classes with them, but, but some that were uh, tremendous with their, their depth of knowledge for, for the scriptures. Dr. Cheryl Fawcett. Yep. Um, who was who made some of the funnest classes in Christian education? Um, it was just a, a delight, hand, hands down, all across my my educational uh, time there at Cedarville. Yeah, that's fabulous. So, eventually, Seth, you attended seminary, and and for seventeen years you served as a pastor at a church in Manchester, Connecticut. Um, yeah. What led you to become a pastor? I wasn't sure what ministry was going to look like. So out of Cedarville, the, the recommendation was uh, uh, you have only begun to learn. Um, and so go get your seminary degree, which would be the intensive, now practical, uh, no intramural volleyball on Thursday nights, now <laughs> hall dining, going to Chuck's with your friends. Uh, now it's, it, it's the serious business of diving into the direction that God is going to prepare you for. Um, and I think there was a huge difference between uh, Cedarville's degree and the seminary degree, just in the intensity that, that they bring to, um, to, to ministry preparation, both complementing each other so very well. Yeah. Um, so after that, there the church was in, encouraging uh, guys to go out and do some church planting. And so I helped with a church up in Maine. We looked at getting another church started in Windsor. 
And then when the pastor of the church, Faith Baptist Church, uh, when he was going to retire, there were a couple other men in ministry that that gave him over my name. What seminary did you choose? I was Calvary Baptist Theological Seminary, um, pretty conservative seminary on the north side of Philadelphia up in Lansdale. Okay. Um, So, yeah, great, great place for guys that absolutely love the Lord. And again, once you get out of the ivory tower and you start to see people real and genuine in their walk with the Lord. Yeah. You know, that's. It's a heartfelt thing. So during your 17-year pulpit ministry, uh, can you share a story or two of, of transformation or hope that you saw the Lord uh, do through your ministry and in your church? Uh, well, certainly it's going to be the answer that what the Lord did. Um, because Absolutely. I don't have enough plans or enough skill to make anything but the scratch on the back of a napkin. Um, however, uh, there was a gal who came to our church uh, several years um, after I had been there. And she, she just needed to go to church. She was retired near retirement. Her husband wasn't a believer, but she had a medical issue and um, was getting worried about, about life and faith. And so they, he said, sure, I'll bring you to church. And he was not a believer. Um, he actually attended a Catholic seminary for the early part of his life and then, then quit two weeks before the end. So he came and sat under the ministry and sat under the word and participated in Bible studies. And for about a year, just engaged in, in whatever was going on, just soaking it in and asking some questions and, and came to a men's night where we just fixed things at the church. And he was on his hands and knees, putting in some uh, new tile underneath a, uh, a water fountain, uh, just doing whatever could help. And, and along those times of serving in the church alongside of somebody, the goal was if he's working on a, a project at church, he's, he's working alongside of somebody that could talk with him about the Lord. And so he came up to the group as we finished up and asked, uh, hey, can I, t- can I t- say something? And his response was, I-, I now tonight know what it means to be a brother in Christ. Uh, wow. This last weekend at home, I put my trust in, in Christ. And so I know what it means to be your brother. And uh, so we all were standing around uh, essentially in the foyer with a couple cups of top coffee and, and, a, and a tool bag ready to go home. And he just made us, uh, give, us give us a chance to leave uh, with great joy. At the, at the work that God does in somebody's life. Yeah. Obviously, that's a transformational, uh, the ultimate transformational story. Yeah, um, great impact on Paul's life. How did that impact you, and what, what lessons did you learn from that? I think one of the greatest lessons that, that I did learn from it is I can't persuade somebody uh, to come to Christ. I know Paul says to use persuasive speech, uh, and that, that's true. You should use words in conversations that, that, that seek to persuade somebody. But I know ultimately I can't do that. And so when, when Jesus says some of you were washed by the, the word uh, already, I take that to, to understand in my conversations, the way that I speak about Christ and the way that I speak about the gospel is not a one-time shot with people. And sometimes Ethiopian eunuch, it might be, you're, here's this one shot, Philip, go tell him, and, and by God's grace, he get saved and get baptized right right there. But more often than not, the conversations you're going to have with your neighbor, with your mom, dad, your brother, sister, they're going to be a long process of washing the word of God over their heart and life, answering questions, sometimes not answering questions, sometimes just saying, I don't know, I just got to trust God for it. Yeah. And slowly letting God's word do the work over somebody's life and, and try not to get upset when you've got the you've got the perfect message, the perfect illustration, the perfect 
uh, devotional and you know this one person is, they, they, man, this is what they need. And, and it kind of falls flat. Yeah. And then you're sitting around fixing the tile underneath a water fountain. And, and the Lord just gives him that moment to, to come and, and talk to the rest of us about yeah. being a Christian. So it's not the work that I can do. It's only the work that Christ does. And it's only work that the word does in people's lives. So a lot of washing and a lot of faithful, just pour out the Bible on their hearts and lives and let God do the work. That's uh, it's really well said. And it's really the truth. Um, at some point in your church ministry, uh, you were prompted to pivot toward being a chaplain at the Air National Guard, moving away from church ministry to the Air National Guard. What led you to making such a decision? I think there are a couple of people that had an impact in that, that portion of my life. Uh, my brother-in-law, um, uh, my sister um, married into a kind of military track family. Uh, where her husband joined the Army, and then he moved over to the Air Force Air Guard uh, in the medical division. And he kept talking to me. He said, Seth, you could, you could do this. Uh, there's a need here. Uh, we see that there's, there's needs for chaplains um, in the military to serve the great needs of the soldiers and the airmen and the Marines. And so he kept kind of peppering me with these ideas and these thoughts and uh, for several years. And I said, no, I'm, I'm busy enough uh, straight out with ministry. And I, I don't think it was the right time. Uh, well, the Lord did some other work in our church and uh, there, there needed to come a change in ministry. Um, several of our core seniors, it was a, an elderly congregation, so to speak, several of our core seniors um, passed away in a, in a very short period of time. Two of the men in our church uh, left to go serve uh, other pastorates and other open churches, and there was just a, a little bit of a, okay, Lord, what are you doing? He, he sifted some, some of our congregation, and so what we had to do, sadly, we, we had to kind of separate our church divide up to other places, got the help of another local church, uh, a town away to uh, seek to reinvigorate, kind of revitalize or replant a church in the same place. Uh, but that caused a, a time to say, all right, Lord, what do you have for me? What am I going to be doing? And, and it, it just the ripe opportunity was, why don't you now look at this thing that perhaps you, you've been pushing off for a while? And so we started the process of talking with uh, recruiters and talking with other chaplains and talking with other godly men about whether or not this was a fit. And uh, as, as the, every time there was a, a little bit of a chance to progress and move forward, the Lord just kept opening a door and I took every step uh, that was in front of me uh, in faith saying, if this is where you want, Lord, it's going to have to be you because I, I can't make it happen. And sure enough, then he didn't. This February, I, I swore in. That's fabulous. What, what, was, uh, what was Judy's reaction to all this uh, potential new, new change? Uh, well, she has two, uh, two people that are on her heart a lot because they also are in the military. My oldest son, Corbin, uh, swore in as a, um, in, into the Army a couple of years ago. He, so he spent two years over, overseas uh, serving in a duty station there. And our second son, Lucas, uh, he also uh, joined into the 103rd Air Wing uh, in the Air Force as well in the reserves, actually at the same, same base that I'm at. So she's got a, a heart for them. And, and then we talk with them and find out the things that are going on in their life and the lives of soldiers and you hear the stories that are going on. And so she uh, was very much in favor of hey, this transition in our lives would be a good thing. You see what's going on in your son's lives. You see what things that they're talking about and, and uh, the stories that you're hearing. Uh, I think this would be really good for us. Uh, so she was like, go for it. So what, 
what do you think you can bring to the chaplaincy and what are your, what are your goals uh, as you move forward in this new direction? I think the greatest goal I have is to, to take the, the training that I've had in, in these years of ministry with regard to teaching people, what does the word say about the practical issues of life and, and to come alongside the people on base and the airmen that I engage with who are, uh, they're spinning plates in life. Most of them are reservists. So they're, they're working full time. They got family. And then on the weekends, uh, drill weekend, they've got uh, military, they might deploy. And so there's, there's a lot of different stresses that they have and to come alongside of them and give them the hope that the scriptures have answers to real life questions uh, that people have in their lives. Real help for your marriage, real help for your relationship with your kids, real help for the spiritual needs in your home. Um, it's not a, uh, it's not something that we want to bring them all to the chapel and sit them down at one occasion. Uh, we actually don't even have a chapel proper because we're a reserve base. But to take the word throughout my my opportunities to engage with each unit and and engage with them one on one and help them hold them up. Uh, through through what God's done with me and through me uh, in ministry to train me to be ready. So on the, on the one hand, uh, the training for ministry has been lived out. And on the other hand, I'm, I'm learning it every day. So yeah. I know yeah. the strains that they're going through. I know the, I know the crisis that there is within the, within the military. Um, you see perhaps t-shirts, you've got the emails that come through um, uh, red on Fridays. Remember everyone deployed. Uh, 22 uh, veterans commit suicide uh, a day. The, the strain is, is very weighty. And so I think some of the, the testing over the years of working through the church with counseling, with uh, marriage and family therapy and preaching and, and those things, those are ways that gave me the strength to be able to say, yes, Lord, I can, I can come alongside of these airmen and not be shocked by their story, right. but I can give them help from your word. Uh, to give them encouragement and, and by God's grace, lead them to the yeah. saving hope of Christ. Yeah, let's go down that path because uh, sure. you mentioned uh, the airmen. They they're like anyone anyone else. They they have baggage. They have tough issues they're dealing with. Sure. How how have you been able to come alongside them from a biblical perspective to really help? Uh, can you share some stories? Um, yeah, one of the the ways that the 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 chaplain corps is given this unique fit. People ask oftentimes. Um, in this very secular culture, how much are you able to talk about, about the Lord? What are you able to do? Are you restricted? Uh, can you not talk about Jesus? Do you just have to talk about God in general? Yeah. The answer to that is no. The, the military hosts chaplains who are endorsed by denominations and, and the military, they're only allowed to ask chaplains to do what their endorsers would allow them to do. So the endorser that that I signed on with and that approved me says there are certain restrictions that we have. It's conservative, it's biblical, it's gospel driven. So anything that goes outside of the gospel, the military is not allowed to ask me to do it. I have to pull back on some things that I would say that's out, that breaks my conscience or breaks my responsibilities to my endorser. And yeah. so there's a, there's kind of a nice line that chaplains are able to give. The other line that's helpful for chaplains is to, to be able to tell people Everything you tell me is absolutely confidential. Mm. So the, the culture of, of the military is, is pushing people and airmen to know you can talk to the chaplain. 
They are absolutely restricted from going and gossiping about your thing or divulging what you did or, or, or dealing with, with your any repercussions outside. So you have the liberty and the freedom to go and, and essentially bury your soul and get real spiritual help without worrying that all of a sudden, if I tell them that I had a, you know, I had a speeding ticket or I got this uh, financial crisis, that all of a sudden they're going to go to my superior and I'm going to get in trouble. So it can't happen because I can't bring their personal troubles to their superior. My job is to sit with them mm-hmm. and to counsel them and to help them. So, so the military gives a couple of really good pushes for the viability and, and the practicality of chaplains. And in that, I get to talk to them about the Lord. So how do you how do you get airmen to come and talk to you? Because it's, men don't want to bear their soul to anybody. So how do how do how do you do that? It has to be about to me about building relationships. But how do you do that? It is. It's all about uh, how do you how do you build a relationship with with people in, in kind of a quick form. So really quickly, uh, there's a transient nature to military bases to people in units. They might change units, and um, Aaron might move from one def- department to another. And so you really have to be uh, engaging with them as much as you can, essentially on the drill weekends. So we have an office. But most of the time, uh, the assistant who's paired up with me, he and I are engaged walking around, um, talking with airmen, going to roll calls, letting them know what what the chaplains are available to do. Um, This past week, we gave out uh, free coffee to everybody on base. Um, So we we deliver things that are helpful. We also do retreats for for airmen, uh, retreats for their family, for singles, for couples that give them real help for um, for their relationships. And, and that just gives them a sample of, of why we want to talk to them and that we are, we're approachable. So the more we can interact with them around the water cooler or even going out onto the plane and just checking out with them, how are you doing today before you fly? Um, we'll get escorted out to the plane and make sure we check, check with the pilot, check with the, the navigator, the engineer, the loadmaster, all those. Say, how are you doing? How's things going? Um, how's your life? How's your family? Uh, the, the more you talk to them, the more you engage that Every once in a while, somebody will tag you on the shoulder and say, hey, chap, you got a minute? Yeah. Do. I really, absolutely do. Uh, that's fabulous. So, so Seth, uh, we're coming near the end of the podcast. Uh, I have a few more questions I do want to ask you. Probably a, probably a simple question as we, as we move toward the end is, uh, ask Chaplain, what motivates you every day? I think the thing that motivates me is um, I know that um, this is for my, for my own kids, right? So with two of them in the Air Force, uh, one in the Army, one in the Air Force, a couple of the other boys are thinking they're going to do the same thing. I know some other parent somewhere across this nation sent their son or daughter and they said goodbye to go to another base, to another state, to another country. And they're wondering who's caring for them. And they might be worried, how are they doing? Yeah. And so as much as I want some good chaplain coming alongside my sons when they're deployed or when they're engaged in some other training, I I want somebody there that can be an encouragement to them and point them to the word. My motivation is everyone on base has somebody hoping and praying for their soul and their spiritual growth and development. And so I I simply want to serve the Lord and be the answer to somebody's prayer that, that I get a chance to engage in their family, the ones that they love. So I guess that's probably the best way to describe the joy of going on base. Yeah, you're obviously serving an important role uh, in the lives of a lot of people, and I, I commend you for that. Um, with that said, how do you 
maintain proper work-life balance and and dealing with a lot of the issues that the men are dealing with how, how does how do you manage that uh, uh, mentally uh, and then your time management uh, mentally i think is um, something you just learn through ministry uh, at the end of the day um, for many years i had a uh, we lived very close to the church. It was next door, but not not right on top of the church property. So at the end of the parking lot, there was a little path that went through the woods to our house. And people would often ask me, since I walked to church, hey, do you want to ride home? Like, no, I really don't. Sure. Like, no, it's raining. Yeah, I got an umbrella. It's it's my 150 yards. Yeah. It's my 200-yard walk to say, Lord, uh, the weight of this is too much. As I kind of walk through quietness, sometimes it's just pitch black in the middle in, in the middle of the night, walking home from a ministry or a counseling appointment to say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Yeah. So would you just take the weights off as I go home? Uh, and that became a tradition for me. Uh, I'm still learning how do I do that on my ride home from the base, uh, praying, talking to the Lord, thanking him for what he's done. And uh, we also have some other men in ministry that I have a good opportunity to just bounce things off of and say, how do I deal with this one? Yeah. How do I encourage? How do I offload some of my weight? So yeah. I've got brothers that I can bear bear some of those burdens with. And yeah. They are they are a godsend in my life. Yeah. So how for those who are listening to this podcast, how can we pray for you? You can continue to pray that as I as I engage airmen, that I would do a good job of building those relationships quickly. On a practical note, um, most of the time there's two things people say they're not good at. Not good at memorizing Bible verses. Right. Not good at remembering names. Right. So, if there was a spiritual gift that God could miraculously bestow, it's to remember and memorize names. That would be a tremendous asset, just to uh, yeah. the practical things. Uh, but also, so that I would take on my way into the base, that I might leave some of my outside troubles in the truck, so that when I do engage with airmen and when I do come into the base to serve that I wouldn't be encumbered with some of the outside strains that I might carry in Correct. So that I could serve that with, with, with diligence and joy. You bring it, you bring a good point. Cause what, you know, I've been thinking about that. You're, you're serving all these men, but not every day you come to work and you're um, on top of your game mentally, right. spiritually or whatever. So um, it, it goes both ways. So that's a good point. It, it sure does. Uh, it's like your pastor, your pastor comes into work and he's been prepping on his sermon all week and, and you come in, you've got something you got to tell him. And yeah. he, he's, he's got to go in and preach, got to teach a lesson. And sometimes you got other baggage to, to deal with too. So absolutely. We all, we all have baggage. Yep. Hey, Seth, I, I have time for just one, one last question. And it's what I do at the end of every podcast. Uh, and that is to let you know, you know, at the core of the Cedarville Stories podcast, we're all about uh, telling Cedarville stories for God's glory. So, in your life, how do you hope or believe that you're bringing God glory in what you're doing and how you're living? The hope that I have is to make certain that what I do deals with people who are in need. The stories in the New Testament of Christ going out of his way and calling us to go to the highways and byways, um, to finding people for whom no one else addresses them or for whom this life has been difficult and a real challenge and recognize that they need the goodness and the love and the joy that Christ gives. So I want to give God glory and give him, give him my best by not being partial. James really rebukes those who are partial. 
Right. And so I want to make sure from from the highest general that I might meet to the to the lowest first day airman that I would give them all the hope and all the grace that, that Christ would 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 afford them and, and not be preferential to them in any way. Because that's how, that's what Christ did for me. He sure did. He did that for all of us. So that's a great that's a great uh, reminder and a, and a great uh, way to wrap up this podcast. Thanks. Seth, uh, everything I heard about you is true. You're a delight to talk with and be with, and I'm I'm glad you're serving our country in this way. Uh, it's an important yeah. role. And uh, next time you come to campus, hope to to catch up with you and bring your kids. And I don't know what ages they are, but I'm sure we have some college age kids in the in the clan still that uh, may want to go to a quality Christian college. We'd love to have them. Hey man, that would be great. I'd love to get back to out to the campus and uh, see how things have changed. I won't know my way around because there's new buildings everywhere. Let me know and I'll send you a campus map. That would, <laughs> I love it. That'd be great. Looking forward to it. Seth, thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. You're welcome, Mark. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.